Blog Talk Radio. everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is the USDA hour, and we're worried about what's going to happen under Vilsack with the black farmers and civil rights. So Lawrence will be discussing that. It is February 25th, 2021, and I don't know about all of you, but I'm scared. Uh, this, The way things are going, um, I really... All my antenna are up watching for everything. I want to remind all of you these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit taking place this year, July 29th through 31st, and it will be an online video submission again this year, which did quite well last year. Everybody was pleasantly surprised, um, and especially with nobody wanting to go to D.C. these days. Um, so it's it's a venue we can all use. And uh, I, I encourage everyone to look at the, the panels that are talking there on various issues. It, it's really an enlightening experience uh, to be there and see how many people are networking and working together, trying to expose the corruption that's going on across the board. I swear we are being attacked by vultures. I just don't know how else to say it. My co-host tonight is, of course, Lawrence Lucas. And Lawrence... I'm going to turn this over to you because this is going to be quite a heavy-hitting show, and I'll just sit in the background and keep my big mouth shut, okay? Uh, please don't do that, Marty. Um, we <laughs> we always need need your input uh, to give us a, a little more balance. Um, I want to thank uh, you again, Marty, for allowing uh, the whistleblowers, the farmers, the USDA employees, and others who have chimed in, advocates, uh, rural farmers, and as well as urban farmers, to have a voice on the show. I would also thank uh, Marcel Reed, uh, the whistleblower organization, uh, Mr. McRae, who, uh, who put on the whistleblower conference for years, and you've explained that uh, that's going to be difficult this year. So I want to thank you all for being there. And next... Uh, I want to thank um, all the visitors and and guests that we have on the show tonight. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk uh, about, and we'll try, and I'll mention to all that uh, you have to keep your your comments crisp and short so that um, there will be times when some of the issues that need to be discussed, we definitely want you to do that. Uh, but I want to thank, um, and I think we have a number of guests on the show tonight, and we're going to be talking about the issue of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and its legacy of discrimination. But 
we started a journey back in 2019, although we've been in the struggle since 1994, at USDA uh, discrimination, racism, sexual abuse, denied opportunity, discrimination against minority farmers and women farmers. So they have a reputation that a track record, which is very long in terms of its lack of uh, sensitivity, its lack of diversity, its lack of allowing uh, people to survive in rural America. And I'm talking about uh, minority farmers, especially uh, black farmers. I keep bringing some of the same people on the show, and I want you to understand the reasons why. There has been a lot going on since we aired this show a month ago. And I want them, and I'm hoping that we are able to bring you up to date. But those that are listening that are new, it's very important that you understand that we've been in this struggle for a long time. And if it were not for President candidate Elizabeth Warren, there would not be a Justice for Black Farmer Act. There would not be a Warnock bill that deals with black farmers and debt relief. There would not be an executive order put out by the Biden administration to address some of these systemic issues. But, and I I want you to know that we've been involved in this from the very beginning. And if it were not for Senator Warren and her diligence and putting out her plan around 2019 when she was running for president, I, I definitely want us the, the listeners to understand that it would not be, we would not be in the position now to say that we are now on the verge of maybe turning a corner at USDA. But we have some stumbling blocks, and some of those stumbling blocks, uh, what we are concerned with is the Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsap, and we are still concerned that because of his record, for eight years during the Obama administration, we're not so sure that, in many ways, that he would be he will do the job that is needed to bring this struggle, to bring dignity and respect to employees, make sure that women are treated properly, make sure that minorities have equal opportunity, and most of all, in, to include in that. The important thing is that black farmers and minority farmers, especially black farmers, who we specialize in primarily, and that has been our major focus in the farm in rural America, that farmers get the same benefit as white farmers when they walk into these county committee offices and when they apply for grants and loans and programs through the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So with that being said, I think we're going to go ahead, and I think I would like to find out, um, do a roll call right now for for my sake to find out uh, what of our guests are on. Do we have uh, Lloyd Wright on as yet? Not yet, but we have Michael Stovall and Wayman Henson. Stovall and Michael Henson. Well, 
uh, I can't think yeah. of a better person to kick this show off than uh, Michael Stovall. And, and Michael and uh, 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 Wayman, I'm pleased to see that you all are on tonight. And if we don't get some of those other people on, you all are going to have a long show and a lot of opportunity to speak what you think and feel about what's going on at USDA and where we're going in terms of this legislation. But instead of talking about the history of the problem, which many of our listeners probably know of, I would like to start at with uh, Michael Stovall, farmer from Alabama. Uh, we also have Wayman Henson uh, from Texas, a researcher, uh, and is one of the creators of the uh, Black Farmer documentary. And I'll let him talk about they have even received the awards, and they are also in many other uh, film festivals around the country. And we expect to find uh, and receive, uh, and think, and hopefully they will be. We'll they'll inform us about other awards that they have gotten from these other shows. But let's start with Michael Stovall, black farmer from Alabama. Michael, we've been talking about this problem, and we've been talking about, uh, and I and you can start wherever you want to. Uh, we have the the bills in place, which you know about, and we have a situation with uh, our concern about the returning of Tom Vilsack. You can start wherever you want to in terms of what you think uh, the concerns of black farmers as it relates to those those issues. And thanks for being on tonight. Good evening, Marty. Good evening. Speak, speak a little louder. I can't quite hear you. Good evening, everybody. Uh, good evening, Marty and uh, Mr. Henson and, and Mr. Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence, he's not coming in at all. Can you hear me? Uh, very faintly. Um, uh, you're going to have to speak very loud into your phone because we're not. Uh, Marty's not picking you up at the station. Can you, Can you hear me now? There you go. Good evening. There you are. Okay. There you go. Good evening, Marty. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Michael Stovall, and I'm here in Town Creek, Alabama, as a black farmer that's been in the fight for 29 years. Uh, I'm very, very impressed with what the legislation could do to move forward the systemic problem at the USDA. Uh, black farmers have suffered for many years, and is the fight has been ongoing for many, many years. And the systemic problem that they had at the USDA, it would fix this bill, would fix a lot of the problems. It's a start. And, and as Bill Sepp comes back, I think that he understands the problem at hand and he knows that it needs to be addressed. So I'm willing, and I'm sure the farmers are willing to give him a chance to address because he's there now. So he needs to have an opportunity to address the systemic problem at the USDA so we can get this plight behind us. But I know it's a long way coming because it's so big and so broad because it's been there for so many years because, as you know, we call it the last plantation. As many farmers have passed over and 
now the families is trying to fight for justice to get back into the farming industry, and we need to focus on the outstanding statute of limitation complaints that's there, which has been sitting there for many, many years from the Clinton administration all the way down to the Trump administration. And those cases need to be addressed as well. And I'm hoping that they have a task force in hand to move these cases forward immediately because a lot of farmers, we're getting in this, you know, right now, we're getting ready to start planting. And people don't have money to plant, and they're going to, the season going to go in and out so fast, there's no money on the table for these farmers to get back into operation. So right now with the Warnock Bill and the Senate Ag Committee, I'm so proud of them, and the House Ag Committee, I'm so proud of everybody working together to to bring this Justice for Black Farmers Act to the floor, to bring justice to the outstanding complaints that's been there for many, many years. So I'm so proud of that, and I'm so proud to see that, you know, we're coming together to try to fight justice not only for black farmers, for all minority farmers and employees around this country. So it will make a difference, and we'll give Bill Sapp a chance to address the issues, to go in there and fix the problem, fix the problem for all, for all minority farmers, you know, you got stacks of cases that never been treated fairly and need to look at those cases and bring those cases to the forefront. You got cases that still is in statute, need to be dressed first because before they run out of statute. He has a clock time that he needs to address these cases because they steady dying on the vine every day. And those are the things that we need to put on his plate and we need attorneys to come forward. We don't have no attorneys that can really take these cases by the balls and run with them, and we need that immediately. We need draft paperwork drafted and sent up there so we have a time frame to, to work these cases. So I'm very uh, excited about uh, the bills that's in the floor. I'm very excited by the congressmen that's taking the time and the senators taking the time to address these issues. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. We'll be calling you. Uh, we'll be calling on you later on. I think that uh, uh, Lloyd Wright should be on. He's calling in from a three hundred one number two two one three four three two. Marty, is he? Uh, I think Lloyd Wright is online now, isn't he? Hello. Hello? Yeah, uh, I don't have it. I've got it. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, he, here. Yeah, yeah he just he called uh, in and said that he was on when you uh, uh, earlier. Okay, let me let me cue this one up. Is this Lloyd? This is Lloyd. Yes. There you go. All okay. Right. Okay. Um, uh, Lloyd, thanks for uh, coming on tonight. Um, Wayman, what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin. Uh, with Lloyd and have you uh, chime in later. You okay with that? Sure. Sounds good to me. Okay, fine. Uh, Lloyd, what we are talking about tonight, uh, we're kind of bringing people up to date, their listeners, um, 
we're trying to bring them up to date as to where we are in terms of uh, what's going on at USDA now compared to where it was a month or two months ago. Um, we, in terms of the legislation and uh, the executive order uh, by Biden, you have a very deep um, appreciation as well as knowledge that I would want you to, in a, in a capsulation, maybe uh, talk about that. And then we'll talk about, uh, we talked about uh, just briefly, and we can do that in some detail, uh, the impediments that we see, which is uh, Vilsap. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on him right now, but I do want to let the our listening public know about the work that we have done uh, since Warren, since uh, 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 candidate and Senator Warren has done as related to where we are now at USDA. And I'd like for you to do an overview and we can come back with some questions as well as uh, touch on each one of the major legislations that our listening audience can appreciate and understand what is in place now that was not in place in the manner that it is today when we last uh, aired uh, a month ago. And thanks for coming on. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, actually, the only thing that, uh, and, and we all agree on this, that has happened that we consider to be negative as it relates to black farmers and protection of black farmland is the reappointment of bill site. Uh, however, um, I, I think to be fair and honest, um, uh, President Biden has done a good job on a number of other things that we might want to talk about. The first thing, on the 20th, his first day on the job, he issued an, an executive order uh, advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government. Within 200 days, and I'll try to be brief, within 200 days, every agency will review uh, their rules, regulations, policies, procedures, handbooks, etc., and identify those potential barriers that uh, make it difficult for the underserved community to receive services uh, and program benefits through these agencies. And um, and then we need to come up with new uh, policy procedures and etc. that we could put in place to. Uh, uh, make the playing field uh, uh, level, more or less. And and I think that's a great opportunity in that um, some of the things like the crop acre base that was done by county committees in 81, 85, where black farmers get 25% of what white farmers get, uh, some of the procedures they put in place that give uh, – benefits to those who can pay more so those who don't have very much get less. Uh, some of the things such as uh, they can help maintain irrigation systems and, and drainage systems, but back in the 60s and 70s when they were put in, black farmers didn't get help on those. So we need to catch up on those. So this particular executive order uh, will allow us to uh, identify those programs, and then in, in, in 400 days, 
So 200 days for identifying them. Every agency will do that, and USDA will, of course. And then in 400 days, they will propose uh, corrective action uh, to uh, get things done that need to be. So I'm, I'm working with the Policy Center, Social Disadvantaged uh, Policy Center at Alcorn, to try to, to uh, identify those kind of things and get some input from the community on those things that we want changed. So this is a good op- opportunity to to get rid of some of that uh, historical systemic stuff that's been around. So I think that's a positive. I think the other thing on the 27th, so seven days after he was in, uh, he issued an, an order to suspend foreclosure, uh, debt collection, whatever, for, all, for, for farms. So that's positive, and that farmers for right now don't have to worry about that. And then I, I'll mention two other things that have happened, and, and the bill that has been introduced that could end up being part of the emergency bill that would forgive the debt of social disadvantaged or, or farmers of color, black farmers and other farmers of color. That's, that's great. And, and that, that's the kind of thing that, as you well know, that I've been trying to work on for almost 30 years trying to get that done. So we might get that done in the next two weeks. And then the last one, without going in detail, is the Justice for Black Farmer Act. And I think if we put these four things together, uh, I think we're way ahead of where we were a month ago. Uh, a month ago, we couldn't think about trying to get these kind of things done. Um, and and so we're going to have to we're going to have to work together and, and, and work with Vilsack uh, to help you know move along and get things done. But I think the documents that I see coming up, both from senators, as you pointed out, and from the White House, tell me that they really want to do something. So I I intend to work with them. Uh, we need to watch uh, Vilsack to make sure he stays in the traces. But I think otherwise. Um, I, I feel good about where we are right now. Okay. So I won't go in more detail than that, uh, Lawrence, and unless someone have a question. Uh, well, I don't have a question. Um, I think that one of the things that uh, everyone is concerned about, what you are saying to us is that uh, we have one of the best opportunities to do something for black farmers and and the structure. What about what about the bill as it relates? Because we have many women and black employees and other minority employees and others who are being discriminated at USDA. How does this uh, act, uh, the act that we have from uh, Senator Cora Booker? How does what role does it play? with doing something about the systemic dim- uh, discrimination and racism at USDA um, and uh, farmers and employees. But let's touch on employees a little bit now. Well, yeah, Lawrence, well, that, that bill does an excellent job. It, it has a whole section on reorganizing uh, the Office of Civil Rights and, and, and putting creating an independent civil rights uh, oversight board. Uh, it, 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 it points out that the Office of Civil Rights will be independent 
of OGC, who for the last, uh, I think since the Clinton administration, they, the, the uh, uh, OGC has been really running civil rights. Um, it has an equity commission that will be uh, doing oversight. So I think the employees, the farmers and employees, uh, will get the relief we, we, we are seeking in terms of the regular civil rights processing uh, if this bill is passed, if, if the Booker bill is passed. Uh, I think I think it have adequate uh, uh, policies that I think that would allow the Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights to do what needs to be done to address uh, employee com- employee complaints and and farmer complaints. And it's very detailed. There's an a, a extensive section. It also, uh, you know, get, get into data collections to make sure that we can track uh, what's being done and not being done. So I, I think if you put all these four documents together we talked about, um, you know, the executive order, the moratorium, uh, the emergency legislation for debt relief, and the uh, justice for black farmers, and we call it justice for black farmers, but in fact it covers all social disadvantaged farmers, and, and it covers employees as well as farmers in, in the Justice for Black Farmers Act. So I'm glad you brought that up. So I, I, I think we're in good shape, you know, policy-wise. But you got to worry about implementation, and 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 I'm I'm convinced that if we all work together, and 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 um, and pay attention to what's going on, I think we can get Bill Sack to implement uh, these policies. They've been put out by the White House. I I would expect that they expect that they'll be implemented. Okay, my next question to you, Lloyd, is uh, do, are you optimistic that uh, Tom Vilsap will open the door and uh, and get the kind of input uh, from organizations that are, are not so much in support of his uh, nomination and him being there? Do you think that door is going to be open for groups uh, both farmers and employees th- to come in and will have a seat at the table to to make sure that those things that need to be done to fix USDA once and for all happen? Are you optimistic in that regard? Well, let, let me say yes and no. I, I think yes. Uh, he's already talking and will be talking to a number of organizations. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think I, for me, I've put out enough things in the public that I don't expect him to call me. But I, I expect that he will call many of the other organizations that we're working with, and, and, and most of those organizations agree with what we're doing. Uh, he might not call you either, Lois, but, I, 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 but with, with that exception, I think he's going to work with the rest of them. And, and they're not going to tell him much different than what we're going to, we would tell him. So, yeah, I, so I'm saying yes, I think he's going to reach out and try to do a better job than he did before. I don't necessarily expect him to reach out to me and not necessarily to you. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to throw another question at you because I have a question. Do you uh, really believe that um, – the organ that those organizations that he's talking about really know as much as 
uh, Wayman Henson, uh, um, know as much as Lord Wright, know as much as Tracy uh, McCurdy, know as much as uh, Julian Hishaw, and uh, uh, as well. Do, do, do you think that those organizations really understand and understand the impediments and the, and the structure uh, that needs to be changed at USDA? Do you have confidence that most of those organizations that step forward that he's listening to that we know of, they're mostly farm organizations. They know about the farm issue, but they don't know about the, the abusive uh, culture and don't know as much about the structure that keeps um, um, civil rights from being effective at USDA for all these decades. Uh, do you have any confidence in that? I, I don't think they have the firsthand knowledge that you have in terms of working on the employee issues. Um, and, and not necessarily the, uh, the experience in working directly on some of these civil rights program issues either. But I think we, we're going to have to work with them. I think, I think their commitment and their goals are in line with what we are trying to achieve. Uh, and, 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 and they've reached out to some of them, and I've talked to some of them. And, and, and they're trying to uh, achieve the same thing that we are trying to achieve, both for, for the employees and, and for the farmers. And so you know, I intend to work with them, and if we have to go through third parties or go through them to get uh, the word to Vilsack, I'm willing to do it that way. So what you're saying to me is you think that um, he will reach out to the Lisa Donnellys of the world and the Ron Cottons of the world that know the structure, that know the problems. Are you saying that you are optimistic that those those kinds of groups are going to be going to be welcome at USDA and at the table to bring about the change that's necessary? I'm, I'm not sure, but let. Based on the last month or uh, more, uh, and, and you know, since a number of us have been making statements, and 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 a number of folk have been uh, called, uh, it, the, the administration is already reaching out, trying to get input, and trying to understand what went wrong in the first eight years. Uh, I'm not sure. I think some of us, you know, um, and, and I include myself for sure in that category, you know, probably burnt bridges, and, 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 and not that I care about that, uh, um, that I'm not so sure I'm going to get a direct call, but I think I know and have worked with another. another. We can achieve what we want to achieve by working with those. They, they might not have some of the firsthand knowledge, but their objectives are the same as ours, and I think we can work. So I, I think I'm telling you, yes, I think, but but I'm not going to promise you that he's going to call either you or me. I'm not expecting that. Okay, well, I thank you for your input because uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to call you or me, but he works for the President of the United States. It seems to me that the White House should do what the Clinton White House did, and do what Mike Espy did when he was secretary and what Dan Glickman did when he was secretary. He brought everybody into the room, and that's why change 
began to happen at USDA. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that they wanted all those people that I'm talking about wanted that change. But we know what can bring change, and unless we have the support of the White House to demand that uh, the proper people, the right people come to the table to get the kind of input for change, I don't think it's going to happen. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, Lloyd, thank you very much. I kind of leaned on you a little more than I I really wanted to, but I knew you had the kind of information for our listening audience that would help. Um, uh, Marty, before I go to um, uh, Wayman Henson, uh, do you have any questions at this point? No. You know, I listened to all of this. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Lawrence, okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, I listened to you know everybody talking, and of course I follow all of this closely and everything. The idea that they put Vilsack back in there—I'm speaking for me now, not for any group or anybody else, but for myself. This man did more to destroy American agriculture and small and independent family farms than any—I mean, single-handedly he liked to wipe out a whole generation of farmers. Why this man was selected to be put back in at USDA again, to me, there's a plan there. I'm just not sure what it is. Um, I think it bears watching and watching him closely. This guy, I know this was such a bad, and what I don't understand, Lawrence, there were objections to him being put in that position. It wasn't just black farmers or minority farmers or former USDA employees that were harmed. From all various corners of don't put this man in there, he's not suitable. And he put him in there anyway. That tells me there's a plan there. That There's a plan there. I would hang on to your britches because I think something's going to happen. But that's just me. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Marty. I, I wanted to make sure that uh, you are not left out of this uh, this conversation. Uh, we are now going to uh, – we are fortunate t- enough tonight to have um, Wayman Henson, uh, who is from Texas. Uh, he is an advocate uh, in a real sense. Uh, he's a researcher. Uh, he's a writer. And uh, he's done, and he's a doctor at his profession. Um, Wayman, if you want to give a little part of your background as you answer the, one of the first questions that I have for you. But um, Wayman Henson has been working uh, for years on this issue of uh, minority farmers and black farmers and has collected much data and has, speak, and has spoken to farmers all around the country. So he is not new at all to this issue. When he came, became new to us and, and, and his willingness to work with us, um, we began to uh, check out his history, and we found out that uh, we were in the same room many years ago talking about the same thing that we're talking about today. So, Wayman, what I would like for you to do, and I, I want you all to understand the other reason why Wayman and Sean Hill, who put together and created, and the creators, along with uh, Tillery Farm in North Carolina, and that is Gary Grant, who heads up uh, the the Black Farmers uh, Organization out of uh, North Carolina. 
they were the ones who who have been able to put together a documentary on black farmers. And I want to introduce uh, Wayman, he's been on the show before, to talk about, uh, give a brief uh, overview, uh, but talk about a couple of things. I want him to talk about the black farmers, but before he gets started, I want him to talk about what Tracy McCurdy is doing and talk about just a, uh, a minute or two what she's been doing a, a, to bring uh, attention to this issue and what uh, Julian Hinshaw has, has been doing to bring attention. And I, I'd like for you to spend a minute uh, on each one of those before you get started into what you are doing. And thanks a lot uh, for being on tonight. Uh, Wayman you're Hinshaw. welcome. Happy, uh, happy to be here and happy to, to speak about these things that you're asking about, Lawrence. Um, the, the short verse of, I think, what Lawrence is asking is, what are, what are the three pieces that are playing what looks to be pivotal roles in telling the truth about the way black farmers historically have been treated? So I'll, I'll start at, the, at, the, at, the, at number three with uh, Ms. Jillian Hashaw. She's uh, CEO and founder of Farms. She's at uh, 501C3. So what she does is she uh, gets money, gives them to farmers who uh, need to pay a debt, uh, need uh, a piece for the tractor, uh, buys produce, and then gives the produce away in, in uh, 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 farmers' markets in, in various and sundry cities, gives uh, food away to the poor. But what she's done, she's written a book, and it's in its final editing now. It's, uh, it, it's all about, system. she calls it systematic land theft. And so what she does is that she takes uh, European laws and describes how those European laws impacted how white people in the early days of America took land away from our uh, indigenous peoples who were here, and then how those same laws allowed encroachment to take place so that black farmers lost their land. So, so there's some legalese underlying what uh, Ms. Hashaw is publishing. And what she's doing, I think, is telling the truth in legal form in a book that someday needs to be in uh, uh, a, a textbook in law schools. So because uh, these budding attorneys need to know about black land laws and American Indian land law. So I think that's going to make a great contribution. Secondly, Tracy McCurdy and uh, her associate, uh, DeCara Rodriguez, out of uh, uh, Acres of Ancestry, have developed a one-minute and nine – one-hour and nine-minute uh, documentary that, doc, that, that utilizes the stories of what they call legacy farmers uh, across the South. Um, the, the only name that comes to mind right now is, uh, is Eddie Slaughter. Uh, but again, these are legacy farmers who were there fighting pre-Pigford and Pigford early on, who've nearly lost their land, uh, lost their health. And so what Tracy and DeCara do is they take uh, stories of these legacy farmers, interweave it with uh, uh, a hip-hop uh, uh, artist from the South and creates an incredible documentary. Uh, it has now been accepted in the Pan-African Film Festival, which I think is a notable thing for her. The, the, the documentary that Sean and I have developed, we applied for admission 
<laughs> we submitted to the Pan African thing, and they said thanks, but no thanks. Uh, but but um, Tracy and Dakara's uh, beautiful truth-telling film is in that festival. And so what happens in those festivals is that people come along and they they purchase a viewing of a day or a viewing of a slot of films or a film. And so the word is getting out more and more and more uh, about these devastating things that have happened to black farmers. And then uh, lastly, with the film that uh, Sean and I developed, it was really a a three-year process where we we toured the South for two years. We had grant funding uh, that we got from the leftover side press funds that came to BIFA and then BIFA gave them uh, to us each of two years. And then family and friends across the country raised that much more money. Uh, Sean and I didn't realize until we really got into it how much money it takes to uh, to create a film like this with all the traveling that we did. So so we interviewed farmers all the way from Texas to, uh, to Virginia and all across the South. What uh, we did was to interview farmers who – prevailed under pig uh, prevailed pre-pigford so these are farmers who won their cases uh against the usda and doj between 97 and 99 uh these are nine of the 15 uh there were two or three uh, one farmer had died and his son didn't want to be a part of it uh two living farmers had other movie documentary books going and they thought this would be competing with that they said thanks but no thanks and then frankly there were a couple of farmers that we simply could not find even with all the means of technology that we have at our disposal could not find a couple of these folks and so um, I got documentation as to who these farmers were and when these farmers cases were settled but we simply could not find uh, two of them I think because they had died uh, so what we do is we we turn the camera on, we ask them questions, Sean stays out of the way, I stay out of the way, and so uh, minute by minute, uh, hour by hour, these farmers tell their stories. And they, it, it, it's one thing for us to be talking about policies, and, and I think that's great. I like that kind of stuff. I love the uh, – I get all excited uh, about the uh, Justice for Black Farmers Act. I get all excited about what uh, Warnock's Emergency Relief for Farmers of Color Act is all about. I get excited about that, but when I go back and we look at how and why those things came about and about why it took so blasted long for the pieces to fall in place so that a Warren comes on the scene, uh, Sanders comes on the scene, Bloomberg comes on the scene, uh, Biden comes on the scene, and then all of a sudden this incredible policy that we saw developed by Elizabeth Warren, we see it seemingly rolled over into the Justice for Black Farmers Act of 2020 and then now 2021. And so it's like if I go back to 1994, I never would have dreamed that in 2021 we will be talking with any degree of optimism about debt relief, about uh, black farmers uh, receiving land to continue farming, things of that sort. Uh, but, but, but essentially what I'm trying to say is policy is awesome. Love these bills. On the other hand, 
when discrimination occurs again and again and again, and there seems to be little to no recourse under policies, procedures from FSA county level all the way up to Washington, those things grind away at the lives of people. And so uh, I've seen farmers who had strokes, one farmer's wife who had a psychotic break, uh, one farmer who lost his eyesight, lost his kidneys, uh, and then to look at even the farmers who prevailed uh, that we interviewed for the film, the damages to their health and well-being are absolutely incredible. And so what people fail to realize is that when we allow people at all levels of the USDA to screw people over, it's hurting other Americans. It's hurting other people. And so to leave those offenders in their places and they can have retirement and they can go off and do their yachts or whatever they do when they retire while other people are dying over here. That's just not right. And so one of, one of my friends watched the film and he told me and Sean, thanks for the film. It's incredible. Uh, you had me at the voiceover and I cried all the way through it. Uh, another guy said, uh, another person said, this was deeply moving. And the interviews must have been incredible, Dr. Henson, because it looked like every male farmer you interviewed was crying. And so I said, well, I need to go back wow. and check that out. But, but, but the fact of the matter is when we were listening to their stories, we were literally asking them to bring up the pain and the trauma and the suffering that might be going on now but for sure had been going on back in the early 90s and uh, late 80s and, you know, from then up to now. And so when you ask people to tell their stories and they trust you and they trusted Sean and they trusted Wayman and they're telling their stories with the camera rolling, uh, that was it's incredible. It's incredible to watch the film on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's incredible to have been there in the filming and just kind of as a, a silly little personal aside, because the cameras are rolling. I remember sitting there, you know, weeping myself because the stories are so riveting. Uh, and I, and I couldn't sniffle. I couldn't sniff. I couldn't sneeze. I couldn't do an, uh, huh anything because we didn't want it captured on the camera on the, uh, on the soundtrack. But the point is, that the telling of those stories impacted Sean Hill and Wayman Henson in incredible ways that we will never forget. And so when people watch it, we want their stories to be honored. That, that, that's what we want. And so okay. I'll, I'll, quit ba- I'll quit babbling about that. Let me say one more thing, Lawrence. Uh, the, this film has been accepted, uh, was accepted in a film festival here in Texas, and we got an honorable mention and a People's Choice Award we were accepted in uh, a major doc awards out of La Jolla, California, but we're excited about our acceptance into the Seattle Black Film Festival uh, that will be coming up later this year. And we've, uh, uh, we have good reason to believe that we'll be in the Morehouse College Justice Film Festival, and we really are hoping that we'll be uh, accepted into the Whistleblowers Conference Film Festival. 
Okay, good. Uh, thank you, Wayman. I was just getting ready to ask you uh, or remind you uh, that the awards that the film has gotten, thank you for covering uh, some of the major uh, pieces of the puzzle that's telling the story about black farmers. Um, I, what I would like to do now is uh, find out if Corey Lee is on the line. Uh, he would be calling from 615. If not, I want to no. I want to get, okay. Um, I, if Lisa Donnelly is still on the line, which uh, she called in from uh, 530, is she still on the line? Because I would like to no. ask her a question. Uh, Lisa, are you no, there? No, I don't have her, Lawrence. Okay. She's not here. Uh, she's not there? Okay. Well, we've got about, uh, I would say, somewhere about uh, 13 or 14 minutes. I would like to open uh, the show up to any comments. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about the coming of Vilsap. We talked about the and the, and the uh, and the confirmation. Um, we talked about uh, what is what can what can be done to ensure that USDA is going to pay attention and do the right thing. Um, um, we also talked about how OGC has played a pivotal role in making sure that employees and farmers don't get justice at USDA. Um, is there anything that, uh, Lloyd, or that you would like to add that you've seen? Um, because, and, and the other thing, uh, we did, in fact, I want to mention this before we step in that we do have a letter that we sent uh, to uh, Senator Booker today uh, with regards, and I've got a confirmation that uh, it is moving uh, to his desk, uh, about uh, the role that he has played. Um, so I want to mention that. But, uh, Lord, is there anything that you would like to, any anecdotal um, uh, additions uh, to what has been said? Uh, I would like for you to uh, uh, please do do speak at this time. Hey. I think from again being on the positive side, uh, I, I've told people that the last time anything constructive happened uh, toward getting something done about rights uh, was under the Clinton administration, and I, I really feel that this is this, the first time since then that some constructive things will happen. And and I think it's because of all the work that's been done in the last year or so. And you're right, Lawrence. Point leading the way. I, I think we're at the place where Lawrence? if we work together and stay together, yes. we can get some constructive things done. Yeah. So, okay. So, okay. Uh, 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 Lawrence, could I? Lawrence, ask, uh, could I ask Lloyd? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Okay, uh, Lawrence, I think we're I having ask? some. I think. Hold on, Wayman. Uh, Marty, yeah. are we having some connection problems? Hello, hello. I'm not hello. Yeah, uh, uh, Marty, are we having some connection problems? Marty, have you put me on? This is Lisa. 
Yeah, we were looking for you a moment ago. Um, uh, Lloyd yeah, was getting rid of Yeah, I've been here, but uh, I think that's why Marty was uh, cutting in to tell you. But uh, okay. I know that I, I know that that Wayman Henson had something to say in response to what Lloyd said. So okay, I think let, he let, should do that before I say right, anything. Right, um, uh, Lloyd. Let, let me uh, let me uh, let uh, Lisa speak. And sure. Lisa, I just want for uh, so hold up, Lloyd. Uh, your point, um, Lisa. The one question I have of you, and I've been getting emails about this, uh, just very briefly. Um, from from the um, you've been involved in this. You've been president, uh, vice president of this organization since 1995. I would like for you to tell some of the people that are listening uh, with regard to how does this, how do you see all of this that's going on and the discussion that we've had uh, just in about uh, four or five minutes. Can you tell us what you feel from an employee standpoint and from a woman's standpoint uh, and, and, and think about it in a systemic uh, uh, piece? How do you think all of this is going to impact uh, the issue as it relates to employees, especially in your case, which you are knowledgeable of, uh, women who are being have been raped, abused, and trying to get their class action? So I'm giving you about four or five minutes on this, please. Okay, yeah. Well, um, you know, I listened to Tom Bilsack's greeting to employees today, and um, I, I had a hard time with it, knowing that everything he did that was so abusive and damaging to people, uh, women, people of color, people with disabilities. For eight years, he, um, either by benign neglect or outright harassment and retaliation, destroyed so many people's lives. And, of course, that includes employees and black farmers and other uh, farmers of color. And um, so I have a hard time... I have a hard time just looking at his face, to, just to be honest with you. And then, you know, I, I hear what, what Lloyd says about, um, Lloyd, you're very optimistic. And when I listen to you, uh, I want to believe. Believe me, I, I want to believe um, there have, like you said, there have been some really positive things happening, you know, with the, um, with the bills and, and um, President Biden's executive order. And those things do do look and sound very good. And, and normally in a, a normal world, uh, a normal agency, I don't know if normal is the right word, but uh, could give a person, a reasonable person, a lot of hope. Um, but then I, I also hear, you know, I, then I hear what, what Wayman Henson says about the incredible destruction of people's lives. And, you know, when he was interviewing the people and what he saw the people go to through and the heartbreak that he saw and the damage and how he himself, you know, and Sean were damaged, Sean Hill were actually damaged themselves because you get damaged yourself when you're, when you're dealing with people like this. It's almost like you, you get a, a PTSD on your own, just dealing with having to deal with people that are going through this and listening. And I, I heard, I heard the pain in Wayman's voice talking about that and, and the frustration about 
what about the people who are going to be held accountable that have done this? Why are they going to still be there, and why are they going to get their their um, retirements? And and when you see Vilsack coming back, that raises the question even louder. Is because well, of course, how are we going to expect accountability for these people that have been doing this? A lot of them were there when Vilsack was there doing the stuff, and they're still there. And they're going to be under working under him again. And here he is. And we're going to be asking for accountability for these people when there's been no accountability for Tom Vilsack. Because they brought him back after doing all those horrendous things to people, destroying their lives, the rapes, the assault, the people losing their land, the, the people dying, the suicides. That all happened under Tom Vilsack's watch. And now he's back. So on the one hand, I really want to believe, you know, what Lloyd is saying. And on the other hand, I'm very angry because what Vilsack did to people, it's like, I mean, you have to set a tone and it's got to start at the top. And with President Biden, he set a tone really telling us that what Tom Vilsack did to you for eight years, is not that big of a deal because I'm bringing him back. And don't worry, it's going to be a new world. It's going to be a new USDA. In his greeting, he talked about the People's Department, you know, the same things he talked about for eight years while he was here. And if I sound very frustrated, I'm very frustrated, and I am very angry because I have people that are dying today. I have people calling me up that are losing their homes today. And so um, I, uh, last time I was on the radio show, we talked about um, Mr. Atencio and how sick he is and how the agency has destroyed his health and his life, and he's just in a very bad place. And I found out this week they're not even willing to, to talk about settlement with him. You know, it's like too bad, it's so sad. And the man's in one of the worst places I've seen any employee. So... I guess my overall answer is I would like to suspend disbelief, but I'm having a very difficult time doing it when every day I see people's lives being destroyed. And I haven't heard anything about Chief Vicki Christensen leaving. She's got to go, you know. And um, so I, like I said, I'd like to suspend disbelief. I am not there. I don't think Bill Sack's going to do anything unless he's forced to do it by the president or by Congress. That's that's what I believe. Okay, thank you, thank you very, thank you very much, uh, Lisa. Because I definitely want uh, because many people think that uh, that this issue, as it relates to USDA, only involves uh, farmers, only involves black farmers. Um, the biggest another part of the equation is just as Lisa indicated that um many of us do not have the confidence um that others have about things are going to change uh we are hoping that that will be the case and i would what uh, marty do we have a few more minutes so i can give everybody a uh, uh time for a closing statement and we can close Yes, 
Yes. Okay. Um, uh, thank you very much, uh, Lisa. Thank you for coming on. I know it was it was it was uh, out of your schedule, but I want to thank you because I think you really put a face on the problem at USDA, and you've uh, went uh, deep into the 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 humanality. Uh, of the problem at USDA, and you've actually put a face on it, and in lieu of talking, uh, uh, talking to people that know very little about the problem. So I thank you for being on. I would like okay. to spend a few minutes um, uh, and give uh, uh, each one of our guests a chance to uh, close out. And I'm and I don't know if uh, Corey Lee has uh, if he has uh, clicked in. On six oh six one five, okay. That being the case, what no. we're going to do is, uh, uh, Marty, do you have any questions at this point before we close out? Well, I just wanted to know if I'm watching not only what's happening to the black farmers and the loss of land, but the fight over heirs' property. Um, this kind of ties into another issue that I'm dealing with, with which is guardianship. And I'm starting to see articles surface here and there about how land ownership and passing it down to an heir, you know, that's just not right. Uh, why should somebody get a windfall like that? If they want it, then they should buy it from the estate. I mean, I'm seeing these things crop up more and more. And and there was specific reference to what they refer to as heirs' property. Um, there's something boiling under the surface here. I'll keep an eye out on it, but... You guys all keep an eye out, too, because something's cooking here. They're going to come out with it big here sooner or later. But what I think we're looking at is, uh, and with Bill Gates now owning 243,000 acres of prime agricultural land here in the United States, I think we're all in for a rude awakening. But anyway, that's just my thoughts. Go ahead, Lawrence. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I, uh, what, I, um, okay. I think we still have um, – Michael Stovall, farmer from Alabama. Um, Michael, you want to give uh, maybe some cl- closeout points um, and kind of cover what you think some of the things that uh, just quickly to close out what your feelings are about uh, the status uh, or where we are with USDA? Well, um, what's, what's kind of troubling for me is uh, all the cases that's not out of statute in the cases that is out of statute, it should be uh, a way that they can set up a process to move these cases forward in a speedily manner. But it looked like to me that's not the case because they're going to ride as long as they can until somebody brings the fork to the table. So those are the things that's really, really concerned concerning to me about those type of cases that's sitting out there that still have statue. Then you got cases that don't have statues. And I'm talking about employees and farmers. Um, those cases need to be settled immediately. And if those cases not bring, brought to, to Bill Sepp's office in a respectful way it, to give him a time frame to do that, that's not going to happen. So those are the things that's really troubling to me. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, uh, Lord. Um, 
I would like for you to, uh, to uh, give some of you uh, any, some closing remarks. But there's one point that uh, that keeps popping up in discussions I'm having with farmers and advocates around the country, and that is some farmers, in, in terms of this bill, and I think you can give the clarity that's needed. Um, there are many farmers. Uh, who are really still farming that want to stay on the land. What about those farmers that are left behind? And that's the word that they use. They're saying that this legislation and these pieces of legislation uh, does not cover farmers left behind. I want you to give us a picture of what that means and what they're talking to me about and 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 give and come up with a and give us a recommended solution because we have not been in this struggle all this time to come this far and then half the people that we've been representing and talking about they feel as though they've been left behind in this bill we don't want that to happen can you lend some clarity to that please in closing oh yes i will well, there are two bills, and when they, when I think some, and I've talked to some people, uh, Lawrence, who said that this emergency bill leaves a lot of things on the table, uh, and and leaves a lot of people behind, and 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 that's true, in that there's a limit as to what you can do, and still have this on uh, the emergency bill, as you may have heard a few hours ago. The uh, parliamentarian ruled that the uh, wage, uh, $15 uh, wage uh, limitation cannot be included. Uh, you, we end up putting too much in this other one, the emergency one, we could lose it. So you're right. It doesn't do everything. But if you combine what's in the emergency bill with the Justice for Black Farmer Act, I think we take care of those people who uh, are still out there struggling. Um, uh, from what I can read, they would be eligible for 160 acres if they're still out, even if they've lost some land. And the one thing that we won't be able to do, which is critical, is that many of these farmers had land, and they've lost that land. We won't, they won't get that back necessarily because states control the land, so we can't address that. We could give them money and give them land elsewhere. But I, I'm convinced that a combination of the four things, and I wish we had someone, and I don't disagree with Lisa, by the way, uh, in terms of, you know, looking at history. I was there for a couple of years, and, and I'm, I'm keenly aware of what she's talking about. But I, but I think there are a number of people I think we have support in getting this done that we didn't have eight years ago. And, and so I'm convinced that if we look at the Justice for Black Farmer Act, I think that will get the complaints done that snowballs. I think that the farmers who are hanging on the edge, if they get their debt forgiven under the emergency bill and then get some land and some additional support under Justice for Black Farmers, they won't be made whole, but they'd be in better shape than you and I could have ever dreamed of uh, a year ago. So so I, I think we got to look at all four of the things that I mentioned and I think in combination, uh, I, I think this might be the best uh, situation we've had since the Clinton administration. So I'm, I'm, and, and I'm not, I wish we had someone else at USDA running it, and I made that very clear, and, and I think I've made it clear enough. That's why I don't expect to get a call. But 
but but but I think we have a number of other things going that should help us, including uh, folk committed to making the Office of uh, Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights making that functional. And and I think we need to hang together and watch. Uh, a number of senators and congressmen uh, have told us to keep them informed. And we need to work with the newspapers and uh, and come on uh, talk shows like this. Keep the public informed. Uh, I think we can force some things that otherwise people might not intend to do. Okay, so I, thank you. Uh, okay, Lord, thank you. But I, I have I have a question. Uh, did you finish? I'm sorry. I'm finished. Okay, I have one question that I know that that I know that's keeping things from changing at USDA. Are you saying also that you believe that under this administration and what you've heard and and what do you believe the necessary and you've been a civil rights director there representing on the program as well as on the employment side. Can you do you believe that the structure that needed to be that needs to be put in place at USDA. Do you feel as though that structure is going to be put in place under this administration, based on what uh, you see at this point? Uh, I don't see it at this point. But when the Justice for Black Farmer Act passed, I, I expect to see it. I think that outlines the changes that are needed. Um, I, 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 unless you have a strong person um, with a lot of backing that can get OGC out of civil rights, it'll be difficult to do some things until we get the Justice for Black Farmer Act passed. And that clears up and, and gives some authority to the uh, – that they, 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 the authority should already be there. Uh, when I was director, OGC didn't run my office. But as you well know, I had a, a former judge that was advising me that helped me with the legal issues. Uh, that hasn't ha- that that has not been the case since, however. And when OG- if OGC is going to run civil rights, it's going to be uphill. But I think there's enough of us watching and keeping the papers and the public informed that I, I think we can force the issue. But no, I'm not going to promise you that. In, in the next month or two, that the Office of Civil Civil Rights are going to be uh, independent and doing the kind of things it should be, but I think if they hopefully they'll follow the law when it's passed. I think the Justice for Black Farmer Act will take care of that. Okay, thank you very much. Um, thank you for that clarification. Uh, um, and I want to get to and uh, the. Although Marty will have the last word, but I want to now have uh, Wayman. I want you to wade in, and uh, sure. there have been a lot of questions, and there have been a lot of things said since you've spoken. I know that you feel uh, deeply about this issue, but you don't just feel it; you know about it. You studied it. Um, I want you to give as as part of the cl- of your closing. Uh, in closing, I want you to give. I give us an overview of what you think uh um what you think can happen and your view of the situation and the environment that we have and the political environment that we have and the, and what is happening at USDA as a new administration comes on board. Wayman? 
Uh, Wayman, are you there? There we go. I had to unmute. Yeah, one one thing that, that Lawrence, you and I lobbied for in, in talking with Booker's office is to add to the bill in some fashion uh, those families who have been saddled with the debt or they assume the debt uh, uh, created by USDA's discriminatory actions against them. So, so, out, so we were we were informed that we could work to get that piece uh, into the bill at the markup phase. So, my understanding is that it's not there now. Uh, but I'm thinking about a couple of farmer families I know who assume the debt of their deceased relatives, and if they could be unburdened, that would be incredible. So I think I think I would say this way. So. Uh, um, my kudos to Lisa because uh, I've learned more listening to her, Lawrence, and listening to you, the two of you, about what goes on within USDA in terms of employees. And then when I put that alongside what farmers have told me about how they have been treated by USDA, and then when I look at the bill, if those pieces of the bill are left intact and nobody's going to come along and mess with them, then the same processes that would ensure the rights uh, within USDA for black farmers would also be the same rights for USDA employees. So how complaints are handled, uh, how complaints are handled by, by employees and by, by farmers, I think those are, those are things that, that leave me optimistic. I'm, I'm right on the borderline between optimism and pessimism with regard to Vilsack, uh, we saw his uh, influence all over the uh, Biden policy team when we were negotiating with them back in the day. And so it was very clear that Biden wanted Vilsack in. And when I looked at that video of where Biden and Harris were talking to the civil rights advocates and he brushed aside uh, their concerns about uh, black farmers and civil rights, I thought, okay, I see where this train is going. And so I think the hope under the current administration is that we have made enough noise and we can continue to make enough noise by whatever means we have available. Uh, shows like this, uh, television, uh, newspapers, articles, blogs, and all that kind of thing, that we can continue to um, uh, hold Vilsack's feet to the fire. If we don't hold his feet to the fire, if somebody doesn't, uh, the, the public, uh, the president, then he's going to keep on doing the same old thing that he's done before. It's kind of like Maya Angelou said in the day, in days gone by. When somebody tells you who they are the first time, believe them. And uh, my mind has not been changed uh, just by Vilsack going around and kissing up to various and sundry people. So, I, I believe what he says, and that was five years ago. I don't think it's changed, or ten years ago, whenever. So yeah, so I'm 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 waiting to see. I'm hopeful uh, because I care about these farmers and employees, and I care about what's in the bill. I care about what's in Warnock, uh, Warnock's bill, and if those things come about, then there are going to be a whole lot of farmers across the land who are going to be free uh, from the burden of uh, owing debt where it's just interest upon interest upon interest. So that I'm hoping for, and I think we need to keep the fires burning. Okay, thank you very much. I want to thank uh, 
uh, Wayman Henson. I want to thank Michael Stovall. I want to thank uh, Lloyd Wright, and especially uh, Lisa. I'm glad that I'm very pleased that you were able to pull away from your busy schedule to join us tonight and uh, give your perspective uh, out of from rural um, America, from California and West about what your views are about what's going on at USDA and some of the things that changed. And I want to thank you for getting on. So, um, Marty, I thank uh, you again for allowing um, us to have this uh, dialogue uh, very open, very honest, and very candid without interruption. So I thank you for continuing to support us. I thank Marcel Reed uh, for the work that she's done, uh, Tanya Ward-Jordan, uh, the things that she do. I thank uh, the input and advice that I get from Martha Martin and so many other people. So I want to say, uh, Marty, thanks again for allowing us to be on, and we're looking forward to doing another show and returning uh, to next month, the last Thursday in the month, and uh, and I, I, I enjoyed uh, uh, everyone's uh, participation, participation, as well as Marty for allowing us to be on tonight. Thank you all so very much, and and Marty, uh, you get the last word. Well, it's about time, Lawrence. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and for all of our guests. I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Stovall thought he was going to sneak in under the radar, but I got him now. And uh, anyway, we we got to keep hitting this. We got to keep talking about it. We got to keep bringing it out front. Uh, we need to watch Bill Sack. Again, I'm speaking for myself, but this man has got dirty hands, and that's all there is to it. We'll be back next next week with another whistleblower show. And, of course, Lawrence will be back with his crew the last Thursday of the month. I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit this year, July 29th through 31st, and it will be online video again thanks to this fake-up virus. Anyway, we're all here. We're all continuing to fight. And I want to say something. I'm amazed at the people that have hung in for the duration. A lot of times when you get involved in things like this, activism, people fall away. Uh, I'm really amazed at the number of people that hang in there, are consistent, and are still fighting the battle. I, I truly appreciate that. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow night within the mix, and we'll be talking about guardianship abuse, another horror story from the United States. Anyway, thanks, everyone, and good night. Thank you, Marty.